you are hearing this, you are receiving a signal from another planet. Fanboy planet. Watch animate chicks with inflatable breasts. You might be a Trekkie. Sit back and watch as the Uber geek goes and kicks it up a notch. Turn to the letter F in your dictionary and add this word to your vocabulary. Take a look, cause I'm the real McCoy. Damn it, Jim, I'm not a doctor. I'm just the definition of a fanboy, baby. I've resisted the four. I bought. I haven't it, bought any 4K stuff except when it's been in the collection. Of right, 4K right. No, discs. that's what yeah. I don't. I don't seek it out. Yeah. Uh, or if I do, I make sure that the you know the Blu-ray is included there. It's like because I, I bought some of the. I bought the Avengers and Steel Box because it was an impulse thing. Yeah. They were all there, and that that came with 4K. Um, and I think the the PS4 uh, the PS Pro allegedly plays it and as far as 3D if you have the VR helmet that's supposed to you can mm-hmm. watch 3D movies in but it's I've never done it you know because now nobody's releasing the the movies in 3D you I have the problem of the problem of watching movie in a helmet is like you're isolated. Why? Yeah, that's it's, not why it's kind of like this feels like the opening of a horror movie. <laughs> it's like this is when the the villain comes in, and you I'm know that's watching the, the TV. I mean, and, I mean, to some extent, that's why uh, I don't regret having bought the VR, but I don't use it. I haven't used it in over a year because for really that reason. It's like yeah. if I'm alone, there's no way I'm going to use it because I'll fall and die, and no one will know. Right, right. You need somebody to take you to the hospital, and uh, that's, like, that's an entertainment and, recipe. And, and, and there's no one I trust enough to uh, come uh, over. No, not, no, no, even and if I'm not alone, I don't trust anybody not with me. Well, no, 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 uh, they wouldn't mess with you at all. They just videotape you and put you on the internet. Uh, that is, yeah, no, 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 that that is still. Well, because I mean, that was the rule when you I got a new Star Wars kid. That was that that was the rule with. Uh, you know, when I got it with Luke was, I said, he, he loved it. And I said, and that was the right length of time. Like a 3d movie starts to get headaches after about 40 minutes, but he oh, could okay. play 10, 15 minutes of a PSVR and he enjoyed it. Um, and it also functions differently because it's right up on your face. So the dis, the right, distance right, right. region is different, but he, but we had to establish the rules. Like, you know, he was playing the Batman one and it's, you get so thrown into it kinetically and I said, there's no way you play this by yourself. You just never do. Right. There's always someone to spot you. Right. And, uh, you know, so VR, as needless to say, did not take off as fast as I thought. It would. And even when you see those commercials that, like, for the Oculus right. the wireless one, they're only pushing movies, watching movies and being able to chat with your friends. I'm like, great. So let's make people then forget. They could have they people over to the house. Yeah, they, you know, it's like, uh, we're all just going to be pod people. We, Come on over, we got mulberries. That's, that's not what, you know, that's not what Invasion of the Body Snatchers meant by pod people, but that's no, what we're going to be. True. We're just going to be people in pods that just go. Hey, Copper Top. It's going to be, you know, we didn't even talk about recording the previous episode. Uh, I think we should go in, we should go in and talk about Harry Softbrow, man. That's, okay, sure. Uh, so, I mean. We used to, we were going to Harry's uh, um, 
We even played the Brett, games with Brett. Yeah. Brett and Justin and I were playing games on a weekly basis, and it was it was really cool because the, like the first couple times we went in there, you know, they have the chairs, the leather chairs with the high backs. I do know, and those are great chairs to to conquer the world in. You know, we were playing this legacy version of Pandemic, and so that was. A, and we'd this get is our, why they closed. We get our dinner and we'd sit down, and when we were when we were playing, it was like it was always like a Thursday night. I think it was usually Monday or Tuesday night, actually. Yes. Um, and we'd uh, we'd have our dinner, so we paid our admission, and then we set up the game for like an hour. And we had people dropping by all the time to say, "Hey, what's up? What's this?" And a lot of friendly people, and you, they had an amazing beer selection at the end. I mean, well, I think at one point, even I mean, the current version of Fanboy Planet, the site. Was, it wasn't triggered from there, uh-huh. but we met a couple of times over there at at uh, for dinner at, at Harry's Hopbrow to talk about it. Yeah, I had dinner okay. there with you guys a couple yeah, times. Yeah. Uh, we watched the uh, Force Awakens trailer was on Monday Night Football. Oh my God, you're right. And we were, so it's Monday night that you would play the game because yeah. I came in at the end of a of a pandemic game, and then we all said, "Well, well let's just sit here and wait until the TV shows <laughs> shows the trailer." So that was nice, and uh, you know. But I, I think I hadn't thought back on. I mean, I, I would go there from time to time when I taught at Notre Dame. Uh, I think the loss of it is not so much for myself, but that was a great place where a lot of the, well, truly the old timers of the valley would go sure. to gather. Yeah. And uh, I, when I was teaching, oversaw the we had a, a choir. Uh, and we and the choir would go and perform for retired teachers and retired state employees in, in in one of their little meeting rooms and for Christmas you know we did kind of Christmas caroling there so I have a fond memory from that of of of, of having my students perform but also we used to be comedy sports played uh, squeezers for like three years which was the hamburger place the hamburger place the up front from it, yeah. which of course we do our show and then squeezers would close sure. So we'd all just walk over to Harry's Hofbrau. Squeezers to have. So I would Harry's. say there was three years of my life where every Friday night was a late dinner at Harry's Hofbrau. What was your favorite dish? Well, let's be honest. They, they did a hot turkey sandwich like nobody. Oh yeah, business. everybody everybody goes for the turkey sandwich. Mine, I love their carrot salad. Their carrot salad was it was like no carrot salad I've ever had before, and I think it was maybe it wasn't carrots, maybe it wasn't, but uh, it was so sweet. The carrots were just so it introduced me to the idea that there was sweet vegetable matter, you know. And it's going to be replaced by a Santana. Well, and I also yeah. got to say, I my my joke, but it was probably accurate, was when the cabaret was on the other end of that building. Oh yeah, there was a rock club. I saw meatloaf yeah, yeah. there, and then went to Harry's Hopbrow and had meatloaf. Yeah, I remember that. I remember that. And yeah. uh, but it's going to be replaced by like a Santana Row type development because we need more of those. And well, they try and pass it off as being housing and multi-use, multi-use. But yeah. it's you know, but well, I when people ask me with it, I say in the valley, most people grasp immediately when you say like Santana Row because yeah. we forget that there's housing there, but there is yeah. very expensive housing. Uh, you know. And they threatened the closing for a long time. And there are still two locations. And I was right. just explaining to people today. I said, I, I know I've eaten at Redwood City. I think once after a bacon, I went down to 
to the Redwood City one because I it was like, oh, is Harry, Harry another Harry's well, there used opera? There to be one in Sunnyvale, wasn't there? Or or um, Mountain View on on El Camino. So somebody, I've heard somebody say that, and I don't remember that, but it's entirely possible. There was also, yeah. I know there was a kind of a knockoff. I remember being confused as a child by a Brauhoff. Uh-huh. Uh, so, you know, I don't know. But, I mean, there are still two, and I feel like I, at Baycon this year, it's not too, San Mateo's not too far from Robot City. Go down El Camino. I think I might just have to make a trip down just to, yeah, I'd be up for the, that. What's the fuss about? I'd be up for that. I, I I know I won't have Luke this year, so you know, um, free to, free to go down there. Um, but it is what we were just talking about on the last podcast uh, with with Josh. You know, talking about kind of gentrification. There it is. This loss of of places of community and, mm-hmm. and so forth. And, and I and I just see that happening in San Jose, and it just it 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 it, it makes me sad, and not just as an as being an old person, and maybe that is, is you know, is the problem that are millennials going to it? And, you know, that's such an easy solution, uh, an easy blame. But I mean, is it? Is I just, see a lot of millennials at, at Santa, Santana Row. Well, no, but I mean, Harry's Hopera was it not a new, younger crowd coming in, and that's what that I they don't weren't know. coming in. They yeah, weren't coming in, probably. But you no, know, no. I mean, the reality is they put they put out there that it was that it, it was just too well, expensive to fix the building. Their lease was not renewed. And they you knew, want a secret? What's that? They haven't had a lease for forty years. Okay, it's month to month. The building owner. Wow. Okay. Uh, I think I can say this now because I don't know who it was, but uh, I had a conversation with a Valley old timer two weeks ago on the co- subject of because I was with my mom and and uh, we were on the subject of Harry's Hofbrau because my mother would go to the accordion society that was playing there, uh-huh. you know, monthly. So she would go and listen to accordion music. And I don't know where she's going to go to get her accordion fix, which until now I did not know she had uh, a need for it. But, uh, and he had said he was an old timer and, and uh, somewhat connected in the Valley. And he said, yeah, the owner of the building uh, would not uh, for 40 years has been ready to sell and no uh-huh. tenant could get more than a month to month lease. The most anybody could get was was six months just to just to see if they were new, but you know I just remembered that what next door to them for quite a while back a in hot the, tub place in the eighties there was a racquetball place yeah 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 I used to play racquetball there until I man what a long from. load in so I'd say yeah. cut down to the very end and make people write into what <laughs> what, to ask what, what, we what, what were we talking <laughs> about but I mean that's but but that's the reality is it is kind of like what happened to the UA uh, or the camera twelve right the roof these flat roof places we the, get rain they the, mildew right. they soften and if the landlord's not gonna Fix it. If it's cheaper at this point, and granted, I don't know how long that that building had stood, fifty years, sixty. Yeah. Uh, it's cheaper to tear it down and sell it to somebody else to build something new that will get even a, b- a bigger tax base. You know, but we'll see. Sad hey, to see you we're bringing in. You know, so tonight, if you're listening to this, make a turkey local sand- color. Make a turkey sandwich and put it in the microwave so it's at least a hot turkey sandwich. It's not what I'm talking about from Harry Softbrow, but it's still something, you know. So a podcast to eat turkey and get tired by. Would that is that right? Anyway, hey, I'm Derek McCaw, editor in chief of FanboyPlanet.com, and this is welcome to episode five thirty two.
I, I never know what it's going to be titled. So anyway, there it is. And of course, across from me, uh, working the dials and with his, uh, with his tablet producing this podcast from the Brett Cave. I'm Rick Brett Snyder. And there we go. And of course, if you're listening to us on your favorite podcast provider, you'll be listening on Apple Podcasts, Google Play. What was that other one you keep saying that's on your Tesla? Tune in. Cause you just want to say you got a Tesla. Tune in. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. And your Amazon Echo at least will do. I don't know if the Google Assistant will do that do you have a google assistant hey google play a song no that's music on spotify no no i have google play fanboy planet oh man you missed that cue hey no, google no more than five seconds they'll, they'll sue us no hey. no i'm shouting over so no one can hear what it is hey google stop there you go. Well, it was appropriate. They were was, shouting over me trying to stop it. I, it was appropriate that for the Fanboy Planet podcast, it was super Breakfast tramp. in America. It was super <laughs> tramp. Oh, okay. Uh, so, yes. Uh, so, this is late at night. Anyway, uh, so you can find it on all those. And, of course, if your local podcast provider is not uh, does not feature the Fanboy Planet podcast, let us know and let them know that you would like us to be there. And we're on the, the Stitcher app as well. And, of course, you can find each and every podcast on fanboyplanet.com and listen from the website. I occasionally do that with other podcasts. It's it, it's neat. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, so uh, and of course, if uh, there's something we talk about on tonight's podcast that uh, you cannot find at your local brick and mortar store, there's a handy dandy Amazon search box on each and every page of Fanboy Planet, and sometimes we link directly to certain items in the podcast on the page. And we are also you can go through Think Geek. We are an affiliate with Think Geek. And if you just like to help defray the cost of a podcast and a website, you can, of course, donate at PayPal. Uh, that's at editor at fanboyplanet.com. You can donate a dollar, five dollars. That's very kind of you. Uh, and, and, uh, and, and if you have any questions, comments, compliments, commentary, criticism, reach out to us at editor at fanboyplanet.com. As well, join the conversation through our Facebook page. Uh, sometimes we, we know, we let you know when things are coming up. Uh, cool events. And as, as, as we had done a couple weeks ago, a live recording at seven stars bar and grill. So we always post that at, at on the Facebook page ahead of time to let people know it's coming. And, uh, you can also uh, follow us on Twitter at fanboy planet. You can also follow us on Instagram. That's just some kind of fun, nerdy photos at fanboy planet. And of course, uh, each and every page also has a chat feature. So you can certainly make, leave comments on the page as well. And, and we welcome the feedback. We welcome the conversation. Absolutely. So, Anyway, uh, that's what we got some comics news, some movie news, some TV news. Our top story tonight, we don't really have a top story tonight. I think the first one there is actually it's a top pretty story. good one. It's a comics one, but it, 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 it as always goes over more. And I think by the time Rick produces this, this there's time. Um, that uh, I've been waiting for an event like this to be announced, and it's going to happen on mm-hmm. Wednesday, January 30th at the Chinese Theater in Hollywood, uh, the Hollywood and Highland Complex. There is a tribute to Stan Lee hosted by Kevin Smith and produced by Legion M and the Agents of Mayhem in partnership with Stan Lee's POW Entertainment. So it's called Excelsior, a celebration of the amazing, fantastic, incredible, and uncanny life of Stan Lee. So it's an opportunity for fans and friends to memorialize, yep, one of the greatest storytellers of all time and benefit one of Stan's favorite charities. It's a benefit for the Hero Initiative. Worthy. 
Absolutely. So I don't know if Chris Hemsworth's going to be there, but it would be worthy, worthy. of Thor. Yes. So uh, anyway, if you wish to attend, and that's what I love about this, it's not just to gather at the outside and go, ooh, do I see somebody I know? This is an event that people can buy tickets to. And as of now, by the time this podcast is out, it's just to sales of tickets have been available since uh, Wednesday uh, afternoon at 5 p.m. Hours. Yeah, so last few hours. And uh, it's at legionm.com slash stantribute.all. And, oh, no, I'm sorry, Stan Tribute. <laughs> it copied over poorly and continued all as a link. Uh, it is not. All net proceeds from the event's ticket sales will go to the nonprofit charitable organization, The Hero Initiative, a charity supporting comic book creators, artists, and writers in need. And this one is near and dear to my heart. I, I as I've said, we've said on the podcast before. I believe Stan was okay. Uh, certainly, he you know you look at the figures of when they said when he died, you know the millions he had. But there are plenty of people in the industry who, and, and I, it's not even old, you know elderly creators. William Messner loves. We've talked about mm-hmm. that. There's another GoFundMe starting again. He's unemployed again. Right. There's this great writer who keeps. He's just not getting hired, you know, and he's trying to work an honest living. Uh, as most are, you know, but uh, he's on hard times and he's had a lot of setbacks and the Hero Initiative can help step in. Uh, my friend Mo takes care of it, does coordination of, of the medical b- stuff with that. I'm talking about Dr. Mauricio Heilbron Jr., ah. Dr. Mo of the Kevin and Bean show, but he's actually actually a really good doctor. I can't believe he lets me call him friend from time to time. <laughs> Never publicly, never publicly. Anyway, uh, so anyway, uh, he he works for them as well, and Jim McLaughlin is, is runs that great, great charity. So I think this this is really cool, and and in the theater, so they'll have a big red carpet event, and then in the theater there will be. They'll be playing it's, Stan's it's, favorite song. Stan's reading some some of his favorite poems. And I was if I was going to pick an MC, I don't think you could do better than Kevin Smith. Well, no, you couldn't, and I'll tell you, you know, let I, if people are listening and thinking, what, what, I don't get that connection. Kevin not only did uh, Kevin give Stan a role in what 1992 in Mallrats, Mallrats, Mall yeah. uh, which he just recently retold the story of. That's of, a great scene of, of casting him. Well, it was yeah. really, you know, this speaks to Stan, uh, Stan's character, not the character of Stan who's in the movie mm-hmm. Mallrats. How he made Kevin Smith, because I'm not going to call him by a first name since we're not friends, not since that incident, but no, I know, uh, that he made him add the scene later where Stan Lee confessed to somebody else that what he told Jason Lee was bullshit. Uh-huh. Because, he, and why, was because he didn't want Joni, his wife, even though he was playing a fictionalized version of himself, he did not want people to walk away from that movie thinking that there had been anybody other than Joni. Right. For him. Right. Because his whole monologue to uh, Jason Lee is the about the girl who got away. Uh-huh. And he's like, there was no girl that got away. That was Joni. So he, he had to say he made it all up. Uh, which I love that. But then uh, Kevin later interviewed Stan in a DVD, which is a pretty good in, uh, documentary if you call interviews documentaries, because I think it's largely in a doc in interview format. And then they put the things in, um, Stanley, 
mutants, monsters, and marvels. I may have the order of words out of out, out, uh, of order. It was filmed at Heidi Ho Comics, uh, and they sat down for like an hour and a half conversation, and it's a it's, it's a really good conversation. And recently, and we had interviewed uh, the guys from Legion M about this. They were doing a leg. I think they're calling it Legends, a VR experience with their finding pe- people and doing interviews so that you could ultimately go and uh, wear the VR and, and, and sit and have the conversation, yeah. even though you're just an observer. And it was Kevin Smith that led that interview with Stan and, and I believe um, on his, uh, on Hollywood Babylon, he mentioned that I, I think Joni came into it for a little while. They put the can- – the, wow. uh, it's supposed to be pretty groundbreaking VR work regardless, which to me is also very much about Stan Lee. Sure. Always looking for the next thing. What's mm-hmm. the new thing? What's the new technology? How can he be involved? Because, you know, I, it is easy and not wrong to mock some of the actual creative output in the last decade or so. Some of the things sure. where he had slapped his name. Name on all, titles. There were several new comic companies that got founded. Yeah, on his you know, name and, and, and there are TV shows. You know, I, and, and I want to say, like, I think what he did with Boom Studios, those were actually really good books. Uh-huh. I just they just didn't spark with the public, and it's hard. But he had three three books. Mark Wade was the editor and working with Stan Lee. Those were good, but I read honestly a lot of Drek in the last decade or so. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say this is I also feel like. He saw the power of the internet before a lot of comic book companies did. And by that time, he'd already kind of been separated from Marvel. I, right. I don't really feel like it was his choice. And this is before Disney got involved, too. Right. You know, uh, that he, he was separated. He went on on his own. And he immediately got into what are the new technologies. He was on the internet doing – he was doing web comics before any other big company was. Uh, and so, and I can't remember the name of the of the characters, but they were like through YouTube. You would have that that there were these seven, yeah. a team of seven. Uh, it wasn't the Cyber Seven that it, oh. you know. I, I can't remember what they were, but and maybe someone listening remembers that too. But you know, he that here he was one of the the last things he finished before his wife passed away a year and a half ago was um, was this VR project and. Um, you know, so again, back to that connection with Kevin Smith. Kevin Smith has talked about that a lot, and and that, of course, Kevin Smith's comics writing career was you know, goosed by yeah. by doing was Daredevil the Daredevil. first thing he did? Yeah, yeah, Daredevil was the first thing, and then he went yeah. over to DC to do right. uh, Green Arrow, but uh, and Batman. It, yes, I didn't like his Batman work as much as I liked his Daredevil and Green Arrow. Uh, but all three of those are notable for being the only three projects he actually completed uh, in comics. Well, he could still complete some of them someday. I don't think – I think we've moved on with that Spider-Man Black Cat issue two I'm still waiting for. And uh, anyway, so uh, yeah, I'm uh, – I I haven't checked to see if I'll be down there, uh, but I need to – Yeah, I was wondering if you were going to go. Right back. I and thinking, I gotta, could I, I go? I could go, but – it's a you know, and it's a Wednesday night, yeah. and it, and and even if I am, even if I am in Los Angeles this week, it feels like that's hard to uh, justify getting out. It is hard. It's hard to get around. Well, it, it is, and Hollywood, you know, it, it would be for a I, what time? It doesn't even say what time the event starts. Um, but 
by the time I probably want to be in the neighborhood right I, I, by five thirty in the morning. I and I may not be kidding on that. Yeah, if, I think that would be a madhouse event. I'd like to be there. I would, but I'd have to take the day off work, and so yeah. you know, I, I I don't know that I could do that right now. So um, anyway, uh, so if any of my coworkers are listening, see, I'm good. Or any listeners, uh, you know, yeah. Well, there it is. If you're in the crowd, let us know. That'd be true too. Uh, I would be fascinated to you know, just see some photos. I mean, usually I've got a couple friends that live in Hollywood that they post things on Facebook and make me jealous. Mm-hmm. You know, like I don't want to say jealous in a very friendly, good natured way, but I also feel bad for them. Like when Grauman's, it, it, I think they're calling it Grauman's again. Grauman's Chinese does like um, was the last uh, the the, uh, the last Jedi. They they shut down. Oh yeah. Hollywood for a Hollywood way for a week. That entire like three block right. shut down. So, to bring in the so they can bring in an X wing. They brought it. They literally brought in an X wing. Right. You know, and they lay the. You know, so it's a pain. It's a pain to to be to live there. Yeah. But oh, there was an X wing, <laughs> uh, which I think somewhere on Sunset there was. Uh, we, we, we will talk about it later, but uh, but it ties in now. Uh, Roswell, New Mexico, crashed a, a saucer. Uh, on Sunset Boulevard, nice. nice glowing green saucer. So you know, uh, there's cool stuff. But then it means if you live in that neighborhood, what a pain in the a. So anyway, I was uh, late because of the saucer again. Yeah, yeah, great, great. great. Yeah. Uh, so I, I'm going to do other comics news, which is that uh, I, I, I may recommend the book, but but Brian Michael Bendis's Wonder Comics hit today. Okay. And uh, so I had to. I, I was a little late coming down tonight because I had to review on my pool list. Are you going to want these? I'm like, yes, I'm going to want these. And I had to write, uh, you know, all these down. But I think interesting in Wonder Comics, which is curated by Bendis, he's writing two. And uh, David Walker's writing one. It's a DC imprint. It's a DC imprint. Uh, it launches today with Young Justice, okay. a revival of Young Justice. But it is in regular continuity and because Young Justice goes to Gem World, and that's sort of in a connects to Gem World. No, no, in this book, they, they this, are they're going to the Gem World where Gem. But there are scenes in in the in Gem, Gem World. World. So let me let me finish the Gem point. Gem World is what Amethyst is. Yes. Right? Yeah. Uh, well, let me finish the point before okay. you uh, before you jump to what you know. That's that's great. That's very good, <laughs> Touchstone. So anyway, that they go to Gem World and. They count the crises. And so why this is be- making a big deal is that Bendis has put all, se- he, as he says, seven crises without naming them. Mm-hmm. All have happened. The people of Gemworld remember them all. Oh, that's interesting. So I guess because it's connected as a parallel dimension, every crisis is in continuity rather than a reset of continuity. Sure. The crisis so, is just an event in continuity, right? So we're saying, so basically, it's hyper time all over again. Everything that's happened, happened. Mm-hmm. Crisis on Infinite Earths, it's one. Let's right. count them off. If we think of this zero hour, even though it wasn't called a crisis, yeah. okay, but it was a reset of time, right? Can't count identity crisis because that was more. Uh, See, I was counting identity crisis. I, I but but I it know, did. I don't but know if did, you're going to get to that many without it. But it didn't reset continuity. It 
it reset people understanding what they had done in the past. Right. So that's, but I, I think that would be different. So Kingdom, Kingdom Come, the Kingdom, that was the sequel to Kingdom Come that re, that introduced Hypertime, and I think that reset continuity. Okay. So that's three. If we're going to take Identity Crisis out there, which was later anyway. Right. Um, this is almost fun. Uh, it's like it's like a quiz. Are people screaming at their devices now going like, no, well, what about this one? So, inf- no, before, oh, there's Infinite Crisis. Right. Flashpoint. Flashpoint. Final Crisis. Right. That's six. And, and Rebirth. That's seven. But was Rebirth, I mean, I, I, I think you get the same problem with Rebirth as you do with uh, Identity Crisis because... Okay, here, here would be my argument. Which is what they said. They, they weren't Flashpoint reset. changed time. Uh-huh. So instead of Rebirth, it's New 52, whereas Re- Rebirth is, um, is an explanation of, or a better retcon of what actually happened, happened. with New 52. Okay. I'm not saying you can't do it. I'm, I'm just saying no, I, I yeah, no, think, no. That's really interesting. I don't think the crisis because rules if I are quite that because straight. if I'm going to call right, if I'm going to call identity crisis not a crisis in those terms, yeah. Uh, and I'm also going to say like right now there's heroes in crisis. They're using the crisis title, but yeah. it's not really a crisis. It's not a crisis event. It's I a like title. that. Do we have any governmental agencies in case of a crisis event? Do we call it that? Um, the FDA, I think. Shh, no, what, what what movie was it that said it was FEMA? Parks and Recreation. No, there was a movie a movie that said FEMA was secretly, like, no, oh. I know that was the X Files. The X Files said oh, okay. FEMA was totally set up to take over in, in case of. So there's your conspiracy. There you go. But yeah, have we missed any others that would count? Um, I don't know. I, I mean, you have to go back further and say, well, there's there's kind of a division between silver and golden age books if you want to go back further well no no no. but, but that's what crisis on infinite earth was trying care to resolve of, was trying to resolve yes. right but they they kind of fractured you know and there were there was for the longest time there was a a string of kind of redefinitions of what had happened in the golden age versus the silver age um well now yeah, because then it was all one earth right and that was the problem because you lost your superman you lost your golden age batman right and suddenly you have the Huntress. And Captain then, Midnight became something entirely Dr. Different. Midnight. Doctor, yeah. Yes. Captain Midnight was... No, but, doc, but Dr. Midnight yeah. was a legacy character. So yeah. a different... A, a woman stepped in. Sure. But Charles McNighter still existed, which, by the way, I totally missed that they cast a Dr. Midnight on the Starman show. Oh, I didn't see that. I didn't either until today I saw a summation of everybody who's been cast because... Uh, I don't know if you've seen the San Jose Improv. Uh, the uh, Joel McHale's coming. Oh, and he's Sylvester Pemberton, and that's how they're advertising him. We lived long enough that a comedy wow. club is advertising that you should go see Joel McHale, Joel McHale because he's going to be Starman, not because he was in Community. Nope, 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 <laughs> nope, nope. Okay, uh, they have a picture of, and it looks like a George Perez drawing of wow of of, of wow. Starman, and they just cast Luke Wilson today as Pat Dugan. Okay. 
So, uh, you know, for, for, for the Star, Star Girl show. That's so I think the, at the end of it, I think we, we have to agree that Bendis has more than enough stuff to deal with. In, in, uh, I, I, I don't know. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Counting of crisis. Well, I, you know, when you made a big deal. Countdown I, to the counting of crisis. I know he sleeps very little. <laughs> That's all I can say. And I don't even know the context. It's just, it's just that the fandom Twitterverse is Who's the character on, on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? That there are multiple of him. I've forgotten. The one that Patton Oswalt plays? Yeah. Uh, yeah. They're all... They're all uh, yeah. But I should mention like before Bob I forget and and who Dr. Midnight is. It's Henry Thomas. Oh, interesting. Yeah, because... All through watching The Haunting of Hill House, uh-huh. I was going, he's a good actor. He's solid. He's not like one that you'd expect a bunch of wild characterizations from, but he's solid, dependable. Someone should cast him as a superhero. Uh-huh. And then, boom, I missed that he was, yeah, that he's cast as, as Dr. Midnight. So that's cool. Uh, so let's go to the pick of the week. What are you going to pick this week? Oh, boy. This was a tough week. Actually... And it's been two weeks, so I understand if you... Yeah, I'm actually... The one that I want to go back to, this is the one that I, I think we should talk about a little bit, but this is the one I want to... This is from last week because we didn't have a podcast, and I think this is a more important... Oddly enough, I think this is a more important book than this is. No, I think it is. Um, so the more important book of the two is Conan the Barbarian Number 1, back at Marvel. Um, this is part one of a, of a, a new um, storyline... Uh, the life and death of uh, of Conan the Barbarian, um, and I've uh, forgotten who's who's uh, Jason Aaron's the writer. Yeah, um, so he's got some big big shoes to fill as as the and writer, he's the longtime writer of Thor, but but uh, is is uh, certainly a capable uh, person to fill those shoes. Wasn't um, he the one? And not to distract, but he he was the one that was doing I, I think the for Vertigo uh, Northlanders. Like a Viking set, oh, you might be right. Barbar- you know, so I mean, it's material, or it's a, it's a, it's a milieu, maybe not a genre, but a milieu that I think he, if I'm right, that it was Jason Aaron. Yeah, that um, that, well, he's, he's got some f- facility with. Yeah, it. he's doing Thor. I mean, that's that's well, that's true too. He made Thor a lot more, I think. So what was what's uh, like? You know, it's a it's a um, this book was four ninety nine. It's a big thick book. And which I I had some trouble with some other books this week that weren't that were like three ninety nine and twenty pages with a generous page count, um, but in this book uh, we we have a very solid uh, introduction to Conan. Mm-hmm. So if you haven't read Conan the Barbarian, this is a good book to start with. Uh, it's a it's going to be a multi multi issue story, so you're not going to get everything in this one book. But there's actually the first of a 12-part prose story in here, a little novella they're calling it, um, called Black Starlight by John C. Hawking, um, dedicated to to Roy Thomas, uh, a tale of Conan in 12 parts. So you're getting your money's worth in this book. Uh, This is, this is, uh, and this one particularly, Conan was the first, when I was starting collecting comics, this was the first book that I bought a number one issue of, I believe. And I remember we were on we were on a vacation driving do across. Do you still have it? I do. Um, I have all of the original Marvel Conan somewhere in the garage. Um, somewhere in the garage. Somewhere in the garage. 
Uh, the do you or did the rats enjoy a steady diet of Sumerian? I I hope not. <laughs> yeah. Um. But we were we were traveling across the United States, and I bought this like someplace in the middle of Albuquerque at a store, and it just happened. I knew, I was afraid I was going to miss it, and I picked it up while we were on vacation. I remember reading this in a Winnebago, toting through some flatlands in the middle of flyover country. Um. But. Conan the Barbarian, really happy to see this. The other thing that's interesting about this book is all the the advertisements of tie-ins. So not only do you have advertisements of... Oh, yeah. This is Marvel not being so uh, you, subtle. You're going to get an omnibus of Savage Short of Conan, an omnibus of the Conan books. It looks like they're going to do uh, a graphic novel reprint of some stuff that was done by dark horse yes they get all the dark horse material and it looks like there's going to be a spin-off already of, of age of conan belit and is, and, and is i apologize I, 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 I will say this is uh i'm not absolutely positive that i ran that when when they had first made the announcement uh-huh. but I, I i was aware of all this other stuff they were going to do but i think that when they announced it there was talk about all about all this you know, they have all the Dark Horse, which is what happened with Star Wars. Right. They sure. got all the material back. Well, when, when Dark Horse had had Conan, they were they, reprinting the Marvel stuff. Absolutely, because in, it was great graphic stuff. novels. And and by the way, you know, we're going to say this again, the, the Dark Horse Conan stuff is great. It's really good. So to get yes. that, the other thing they're going to do is they're going to put Conan in Marvel continuity. Interesting. So, you know, no accident that they announced this with, a, with an image of Conan fighting... Uh, Wolverine and uh, Thor. He's going to show up uh, within the year uh, in some sort of crossover event where he appears. Do you mind if we talk about this? Well, I think um, because my one of my movie things involves this. Okay, so we so can let's bring, we'll, let's, bring that up then. So let's bring it bring it up then. So I think foreshadowing. I'm just, just going to. Ooh, are people still listening? Great. Uh, that uh, I am going to recommend Young Justice because I think the the launch of Wonder, um, which is meant to be more. Uh, there it is. It even says Seven Crises is the title of the story. So and, is there any crossover? I've never I, – I I watched some of the Young Justice cartoon show. No. There's no crossover in no, characterization? You no, know, that, that was what was interesting when they did they that the, animated that, that show. Aqua Boy during that. that was Aqualad. Aqualad, who was different. Yeah. The, the animated series, which just started again on DC Universe. Third season. Third season. Um, good show. It is... Had big arcs. Yeah, it is not... It took the title of an already extant book that kind of had replaced Teen Titans. Mm. So it was Impulse, uh, Robin, it was it was Tim. It, Ms. Martian. She came in there later, yeah. right? And, and she's on the animated series too, though she came comes in later there. But originally it was, it was Impulse, the... Girl, the original girl Speedy, I think, who became Ar- called Artemis for a while. Um, I thought that was Arrowette. Yeah, yeah, yeah Arrowette. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so Robin, I think Superboy, before they made him the black t-shirted Connor Kent, right. when he was still like right. you know. So it was just kind of this font, and it was a and Red Tornado, like in the animated series, was their mentor in the old cave headquarters of the Justice right. League at Happy right. Harbor. So then this series comes, it's much more serious, much more blah, blah. So it, it has come and gone as a title a couple of times. But what's interesting is 
you know, we have, I have. So that is impulse on the cover, right? coverage. You got impulse back. Yeah. It's been, Bart has not been part of the rebirth continuity. Since prior to new 52. Well, yeah. So he, he's not part of rebirth, you know? Yeah. So this brings it in, but Bendis's aim is to make this more young teen for, well, middle school. This is aimed at middle schoolers again, which is what young justice was uh-huh. initially aimed at. So, it, you know, you're bringing in this stuff. I think also, there was another controversial thing. Let's see if, or oh, there's Ginny Hex. Uh-huh. The you know he's 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 messing with fans. So it's still in continuity, but by call, including the seven crises, you're kind of just saying that like you know what if the if the people that are reading the serious, well they're all serious, right? But it, but the adult rebirth and following in that, if you don't want to think this is connected, I guess you you don't have to. But there was at least before print. I'm going to check so everybody gets their logos. Impulse is back. There was controversy because Wonder Girl's back. Um, that there was a reference to is that Wonder Girl in a skirt. No, 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 no. Okay, no, that's Robin. Um, no. it, it, that uh, there was a reference to uh, to Harry Potter. And so you know there there was a rumor that this was a way in, but I think they were just messing yeah yeah you know but uh the the whole line is going to be so young justice brian uh michael bendis and david walker are writing naomi right and then they're introducing the wonder twins into continuity and reintroducing reintroducing that's right they were with that dog (laughs) no 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 no, that was different No, no 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 the dog marvin and wendy were in teen titans oh that's right wonder twins showed up near um they were in a regular Justice League book for a while, and they were not good. But this is with uh, with Blip, uh, Gleek, Gleek the the monkey. But I think most interesting to me, uh, and I immediately put this on my list, is a revival of Dial H for Hero, which first when announced, somebody told me it was supposed to be Robbie Reed coming back, and it's not. It's uh-huh. a it's a young Latinx boy, uh, and it's written well, by Sam. The nice thing about the Dial, Sam Humphries. It could be anybody. Yeah. And, it, and yes, absolutely. So. I, I put that on my list as well. Sam Humphreys, who just did Goliath Girls for, or is doing Goliath Girls for Comicsology. But I would say if you, he wrote Nova, the 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 young Nova that's going on right now as a member of the Champions. He is the guy who really created that mm-hmm. concept. So to to apply that to Dial H for Hero, right now the only book out of Wonder Comics is is Young Justice. But you look at this; it's also I think a four ninety nine. I, you know, I, but like you, if I'm with you that if it's a, if it's a bigger book and if I've got almost right. 48 pages right. of story, That's I don't okay mind. I don't yeah. mind. I, I, I'm going to say, unfortunately I have the variant cover, so I don't know what the main cover looks like. Um, but when I got in tonight, all they had left was one copy of the variant cover. So I picked it up. I noticed this week I was in a comic book store up in Lodi and uh, I, I hadn't seen last week's books until I was there. And I was looking at the DC books that all had like full, full covers with just the title at the bottom. I said, "Are they doing a tribute to Stan Lee? Are they doing this as a tribute?" And they, he said, "No, they aren't. They they do this for their alternate covers sometimes, which I just never picked up on." Yeah, but yeah. the the thing that they did do was a um, a page at the back of some of the books that said uh, that acknowledged Stan Lee 
from the distinguished competition, which yes. was what Stan Lee called DC, DC distinguished competition, yeah. which I thought was a nice touch for DC. Yeah, and you look at this week's in Marvel. Oh, yeah, the four Three black. black pages and the Sienkiewicz. No, oh, I'm sorry, this is Phil Noto's. Yeah. It's very similar to what Sienkiewicz did. It's a great drawing. But a great drawing of Stan. And so you get, you know, four pages it, before you even open a story. And right. then it, and then appropriately, at least for the this Spider-Man book, ending with a Stan soapbox about what made Marvel great. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, so. That's in all of the books. Where, yeah, yeah. Well, I figured it was. It just happened to be that yeah. I pulled out a Spider-Man book. And, and this is. You know, we're going to be feeling this loss for a long time. Yep. And uh, I'll be talking late, you know, I'm sure at a later podcast about, again, who wants to be that that, that next person. So, let's go to movies. movies. Uh, breaking news today. Okay. Mm, I may be opening a can I'm of worms. This, but yeah. I, I'm reading I'm, uh, I may be opening a can of worms by mentioning this, but it is news and it is something that I freely admit. We have not addressed too directly on the Fanboy Planet podcast. Uh, this relates to me too. The head of Pixar Studios, John Lasseter, was investigated and let go. Eh, no, voluntarily retired at the end of 2018 uh, for a culture of. I don't know if they ever came out and said the words sexual harassment mm-hmm. at Pixar. But uh, a culture in which women were made uncomfortable and men were encouraged or it was condoned that they were uh, letting, you know, letting women be, be uncomfortable. And they felt that that came from the top, that that tone was set by Lasseter. So uh, Lasseter was retired and his name has disappeared from a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, Disney was going to certainly just let that story fade away but what is today January 9th, 9th? Uh, Skydance which are the production company behind the Mission Impossible movies announced today that John Lasseter is head of their animation division and in fact they let somebody go in order to hire, to hire John Lasseter so they have two movies in development that predate him, but I don't care what they are. And not because that's, that's not the story, you know, that, uh, one, I believe was untitled fantasy project. And the only way I would care about that movie is if that's actually what they call it when it hits theaters, (laughs) untitled fantasy project. But this is, I'm going to tread lightly. I, I don't know anybody who is directly affected. I am, but as as this is one more incident in a long string of, uh, well, Kevin Spacey was arraigned uh, today as well. So let's just go coincidentally. Today or yesterday? Yesterday. 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 Did you watch that video that he released over he over the vacation? Oh yes, I watched that. Oh my god. So uh, you know, I felt it was entirely in keeping with the way he's. Well, always been right. This is sort of my thing is guys. He's partially right that we did watch him because he was always creepy. Right. And, and the times that he sucked as an actor was when he was trying to convince people he wasn't creepy. So now, Oh, he's creepy. American beauty. Uh, 
uh, that was okay. But there were a lot of K-Pax yeah. and um, – there was another one where, but I don't, I don't want to get dragged down to, down no, to him no. because I, because I don't want people to think. Look, the reality is that before we knew what an actual creep these people, what actual creeps these people were, we did enjoy their art, and so I'm very torn, you know. Uh, and I will acknowledge at this point, a month before it turned out that he was a complete a hole, I met Eric Esquivel, the writer of Border Town, and I loved him. I, I, I mean, I loved Border Town. I can't say I loved him because we only had one brief conversation. And so we'll do a longer one. Well, we're not going to do that longer one now. Um, and I, I am in absolutely, oh, my God, I can't believe what a scumbag he turned out to be. I'm not going to necessarily go that far. I And then Louis C.K. came back in the news this week. And I'm just like, you know. So there's been a lot of negative reaction already to John Laster getting hired. And I kind of feel like, that is it what I am seeing, this is my brief statement for whatever it's worth. It's not worth much because we're the fanboy planet podcast. We want to be light and fun. I see a lot of these people who it's more than accusation. You know, it's, it's too much credible evidence. It's clearly Disney conducted an investigation and found it credible enough that the man who had reshaped right. animation for them, the man who was in charge, by the way, of the parks of of Imagineering, it was credible enough. And they the let shirts. him and and the what the camp shirts the the camp uh, the, the, uh, they called the Lassiter shirts. Yes, uh, we don't call them that anymore. But it, it was credible enough. That they let this major figure go and they tried to sweep it under the carpet. I, and I, I don't blame Disney for that. They took action when they realized, or as far as I know, yeah. when they realized there was a problem. Take action. You don't want to make any kind of yeah. big. Um, what I don't see. I, I, I see a lot of these people doing penance. Uh-huh. I don't see these people showing contrition. Yeah, I mean, and that's what's what was. It's, it's tough for people who are who are big in private in in public life, but you don't really see them in private to say whether or not they they are contrite or not, or you know what whether they have uh, accepted. We see we see things we were talking about before. <laughs> we'll say, accepted Christ? Well, no, they, but, they, they've accepted responsibility. They've 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 apologized. We talked a lot about this at dinner t- this evening. Yeah. I don't um, think that's happened in the cases of any of the people yeah. that we've talked about tonight. And and probably wouldn't because it could be used in, against them, you know, whatever uh, they say. You know, and, and that may be. And it is for wiser people and for courts to decide. Yeah. I I feel bad in all these cases for the tremendously talented artists, mm-hmm. creators, and the journeyman workers, like in the cases of film, you know, that maybe uh, worked for the companies. Right. That their livelihoods got affected because people right. were horrible in reality. Uh, you know, that's – that's I I didn't know what to say after, like, Esquivel. Uh, I, I posted a photo. I've left it up. Yeah. Because – but I was very excited because he had some very – cogent things to say about representation and i really wanted to talk to him about it and then it turned out uh and his i guess mia culpa was 
not good. Yeah. And but my heart broke for the colorist, uh, the artist Ramon Villalobos, people that were getting the best notices of the the most noticed of their career, uh-huh. and now all shot to hell. You know, so I don't know. Um, with John Lasseter, this is just weird. If I took all those other issues out of there, which you can't, but it's tone deaf to hire him. But but if if, you, if that wasn't even an issue, this is so weird that this man, re, like I say, reshaped Disney, yeah, and now is going in direct competition, yeah. Uh, but I don't think he's that's going not to- all that weird. In, by itself, that's not all that weird. But it, yeah. it is it, it 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 is when you are ejected for yeah for things that are the last time that I think something this major would have happened as far as competition was when Don Bluth and his cadre mm-hmm. of animators left um, Disney in the late seventies and formed Bluth Studios. Uh, yes, to yeah. do yeah. To do the Secret of Nim, although first Banjo the Woodpile Cat. It's a cartoon many people forget, uh, but uh, and they shouldn't. It's actually a pretty good cartoon. And uh, Space Ace and uh, oh yes, Dragon's, Dragon's Lair. Lair. Yeah, and uh, American Tail. We can go on. Yeah, and Anastasia, who is now a Disney princess again, because <laughs> uh, although the funniest thing is, I I have mentioned that to some people, and they've said, well, yeah, but it's kind of like New Rich. They won't really accept Anastasia. The other princesses are not going to accept her. Um, there's kind of a joke about that. Not Anastasia, but in, yeah, uh, in R- Rick and Ralph. Ralph. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I just, I don't know. The, the, it, it's something I, I, I felt like we had to acknowledge because there have been these like gaps of like, holy crap, this is big news. But I just don't know what to say except these people's private behavior disgusted me even as – before I knew that about them, I loved their work. And now it's like, uh, well, we'll see how they do I shall it. refer to those camp shirts, by the way. They're not camp shirts. Technically, I think camp shirt is a different style. I've to- been told is that panels- camp-, camp shirt is encompassing of a lot of other types of shirts, including Hawaiian shirts. Okay, so it is a Hawaiian shirt. But more specifically, they were actually all designed by Rain Spooner. So uh, I shall just spooners. refer to them as... Rain Spooner shirts. Okay. Although I will grant you now the other ones that Disney creates, like um, that Star Wars one we have with Shag. Right. Uh, and that was one on picks up here. They were not done by Rain Spooner. So I don't know who they were. But right. the, there was a Pirates of the Caribbean one too. Yeah. But the ones that yeah. were specifically um, commissioned by by Lasseter when he was head of the studio were, were Rain Spooner yeah. shirts. So. I need a better I need a better word for them so I can feel comfortable about you wearing them. You need a spoonerism. Uh, maybe, maybe. Okay. I shall then call them Spain runers. You think I didn't there know? You go. Yes. <laughs> All right. How dare you, sir? How dare I you? Throw you a softball and you get upset. It with was me. Uh, a softball. Anyway, uh, Captain Marvel. Yes. And you go ahead, waggle that that book again. So it has broken advance ticket sales records. Wow. Which. I think every new Marvel movie does that, so I will bet you where I'm going to get a press release saying. Uh, I'd be interested in finding out what's the amount of time they started selling tickets against the premiere of the movie, and I bet you that they've been selling tickets long as they go along. They sell them further and further out, so there's more time to sell and add more shows. 
so that they that may be. I think when this movie opens, uh, there will be only one theater in America not, <laughs> not showing, showing it. And one screen, on five screens, one screen in America showing. Right. Do you remember when you had to go through Ticketmaster to buy like tickets? I because I, I remember doing this. And by the way, one of the biggest mistakes of my of my young life. Uh, advanced tickets. I bought tickets two months in advance to see Superman three oh on opening night oh my. through Ticketmaster because I loved Superman two uh, so much. Oh, it was good. Superman three, <laughs> not so good. Not even worth the service charge that <laughs> they charged me for that. But I was so excited that I had those tickets ready for you know two months. So I, I, I think it's wonderful that we can buy those. But I, I would also agree with you. You know, they will be adding, as I was just saying, with Aquaman. I got into. Oh, I know what happened. So normally movies open on Thursday nights at seven, right? Um, that's the, you know, so that's still technically I gambled and won that they would add screenings earlier. Earlier. So I got a great, Luke and I got great seats in Burbank for Aquaman at five o'clock, the first showing of IMAX. But there are few things creepier than in the late afternoon, walking into an IMAX theater and realizing no one has been here all day. It's just empty. And we were the first ones there, so I'm like, I'm sorry, son. I, I bought us tickets to be killed, ritually. You know? <laughs> the floor is not sticky, Dad. Yeah, it was weird, yeah. It was like... <laughs> anyway, but anyway. Yeah, so Captain Marvel, of course, brilliantly. And the, and the only reason I said this is not, in some ways, not newsworthy, because Captain Marvel relaunches every year. Yeah. So, but go ahead. So, so today, this, this week, we had Captain Marvel number one come out. And this is on the heels... Again. This is on the heels of a, I think it was a four-issue miniseries, The Life of Captain Marvel. Yes. And what I had not realized, because I didn't pick that up, I've not been a terrific fan of the the latest Captain Marvel remake. Um, it's fine. I'm just looking for books not to buy. Um, cause Isn't it sad that we have to say it that way? I'm looking, looking for, for books, books not, not to, to buy. buy. Right. I'm mm. looking for reasons not to buy certain certain books. So this one starts with a... You know, a little like it's almost like a little montage of yeah. of, of Carol through the years, um, because you got uh, you know fighter, soldier, hero, pilot, captain, leader, warrior, icon, and um, it's all the different costumes that she's worn and roles that she's had. And then there's a little there's a little bit of a on the next page. There's a little bit of recap of what's happened recently. And this is where they they allude to something that apparently happened in that life of Captain Marvel. They've revamped her origin or retconned her origin. So her origin used to be that she was caught between a Kree emission weapon Mm -hmm. and uh, Captain Marvel, and his powers are transferred to her. And now, which by the way, she didn't realize for years. Yeah, they didn't they didn't manifest. because that happened early in the original, like the first twelve issues, mm-hmm. I think of the of the original run of Captain Marvel. Which I think was actually Marvel superheroes. I don't think it was even he had a solo book. He did yet. have a solo book. I have. I well, have. he had one eventually, but I'm saying oh, he, yeah. was, you're he right. ran for you're a long right. time in Marvel right, superheroes. Right. Yeah, when he was in the green, green. and white uh, outfit. Yeah. So, um, in the movie, Carol is half Cree by virtue of her mother, who got killed, this is not spoiler because this is a book that's months old now, was killed um, in the in the 
death of uh, the the life and uh, life of Captain Marvel miniseries. Um, what's interesting about this is I mean, in the comics, we don't know what the movie the co- is in the miniseries, the, uh, right? Yeah, but in it, the comics, it, it, you're right. In the you're movie, right. they have we do, we do not know anything yet. We, but we, I'm sure it's similar. From watching, I'm sure from it's watching the trailers, we know that she is part Cree. Unless unless they're pulling a big uh, look over there, she's part Cree. Yeah, I I don't think that's necessarily true. Uh, I think I think that at the very least the Cree rescued her. And they may have rebuilt her. It's uh, one of those. Oh, it's another classic. Six million dollar man. Y- yeah, yeah, yeah. It's almost a Star Trek episode. Which wasn't there one where they rebuilt somebody. All but wrong? The, I think what they're going for is that her father and mother had her on Earth. She she did go into the Air Force. Then she yeah. Then no, she's I, discovered I to be Cree or yes. half Cree. So. Um, but what was what's really super interesting, and I had not realized this before. So, Carol Danvers is Captain Marvel's name. They renamed. Let's see, they've renamed her Cree family name. Her her mother Marie Danvers is Mari L E L L, not E L. Um. So, and. Carol Danvers' Cree name is Carl, which is remarkably like Cal Air L and Kara L. And then you've got Kara Danvers, who is the current Supergirl. I, I do want to make one little correction because I know Troy Benson would if he were here. Uh-huh. Uh, Kara's last name technically is actually Kara Zor L. Right. Yes. I, I understand. Yes, but that's uh, been that's been a more recent retcon. But too. I will also say, uh, no, she was Kara Zorel in the first appearance because really, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. But uh, it is very clear from the movie and from the uh, from the movie trailers rather and the advertising they've been doing that Marvel believes and probably rightfully uh, that they are everything is going to change with the launch of Captain Marvel. Which almost to me is almost too much hype. Like I am, I am afraid, boy, this movie cannot make any mistakes. Yeah. And I don't know how it cannot, you know, at the same time. Um, I'm, I'm very much looking for, I, I do think there's an odd tagline that when I saw in an email, like somebody sent me, you know, and I read it wrong because it was in the preview. And so I thought, man, I thought this was another spam it's, because they go, it's her becomes hero. You know, I mean, literally uh, it's her and they add the O. So it's really her becomes hero. Yeah. So somebody, I remember it was Adam, but uh, the, the tickets, the box office company sent. And so I saw this, this sentence said, watch her become hero. I was like, that's just poor grammar. That's, I, I can't, you know, who is spamming me now? Right. And, and what movie is this about? Because it didn't say Captain Marvel in the header. So I was like, What? And, you know, so anyway, um, they, they're definitely pushing forward. And they, they did release a, a, another TV spot that showed uh, Clark Gregg as young Phil Coulson back yes. in the picture. So, yes. I, And this is, this is I mean, we've got, we know we've got Samuel L. Jackson de-ageified and Phil Coulson. <laughs> is that the word we're going to use? De-ageified. That's what, they, that's what they used for Michael Douglas. No, I mean, but they call it that is what it said. Yeah, I know I think they that's did. The, that was they the said phrase we de-ageified, de-ageified him. him. Yeah. We're going to say youthened him? Digitally youthened? 
Did it's you, almost as awkward. <laughs> did you ute? I don't know. I don't know. The, I, going back, though, when you say uh, how could they go wrong with this, you know, Wonder Woman was an amazing exercise in restraint. Yes. They had the character being very clear spoken as to what her goals were and effectively implementing those goals and not not preaching, not proselytizing about it. In, in fact, I will go with, I think, uh, the worst part about Wonder Woman is exact is the part that looks the most like every other superhero movie. The, the fight with Ares at the end. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. And it, because it just it it in some ways is like that was just fodder, you know. Yeah, I, I and and that I, was fodder I, for the fanboys. I, I forgot one more thing about this book, and it's not too big a spoiler. Um, the villain she fi- fights in this, who really doesn't show up until Jan Rog towards the end. No, a guy named Nuclear Man. However, um, there's a, he's recognized as Nuclear Man. He might be an old fantastic foe called Machismo. I and there was Machismo. You remember who Machismo led into? Thundra. Thundra. Yeah. Right. Um, so and Machismo is, as you might expect, a chauvinist asshole. Yeah, and he's he, apparently he is going to be going up, and that's another one where you go, okay, let's just let's just put it right on the table. Let's have her fight a a male chauvinist. The incarnation of Machismo. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and that's okay. I don't have a problem with it as long as it's well Which done. Which Ares is as well, right? I mean, you've yeah. got somebody yeah, yeah. who's no, just like I, absolutely. So I I don't know that that because again, you're talking the comic. I'm talking about the comic. I, I, I think that the movie is setting up the the you know the scroll invasion. And I'm that's, hoping that's the focus, and that's and, it, and that's all it should yeah. be. You know, so just tell a good. I story. mean, I will say so. Uh, since the last time we talked, now you've seen Aquaman, and we did just mention that it's topped a billion dollars. It is the most successful DC. Uh, they keep saying extended universe, and I'm like, hey guys, last summer they rebranded this the Worlds of DC. Right. Get with it. Get with it. Um, and, and I see people going, it's not a billion dollars worth. And I, I'm just still going to go. Like, did you not feel? I feel like I, ha- I have to write an article about this. Or I think I, I pose this as a topic for, for Bacon. That the more cinematic video games become, mm-hmm. the more video gamey movies, movies become. become. Yeah. And that's what I felt watching Aquaman. We're going to touch on that later. Not only <laughs> shoving 40 years worth of continuity additions into a two and a half hour film. Yes. Like there is not a single thing in the history of Aquaman except maybe the fisherman, maybe the fisherman as a villain, uh, that is not in that film. And I enjoy He never it. stands on fish. No, but Topo is there. And he plays a mean bongo. Okay. Uh but uh no, but he does talk to the fish and they have that sound effect. But I felt watching it that it was going like this was a like a, a Tomb Raider game, and you, I could see doing the, the yeah, and yeah. I enjoyed it. Episodes with goals, and and I think and I think end. that yeah. most that most of us all were just sort of like going, well, that doesn't suck. Thank God, you know. And it was colorful, it was a beautiful film. It's a beautiful film. It's colorful. It's amazing. I loved that they animated Ocean Master's mask. Yeah, so that he had the expressions of Ocean Master. You know. Uh, best performance of by of, by Julie Andrews as a sea monster <laughs> uh, ever in the history of film, and uh, you know so it's a billion people, 
And but here's what I would rather say: instead of being like, "Oh, that's not worth a billion," it's like this is where things are. Um, I've got to fact check Josh Dysart, and maybe you know, this will keep you up all night as well. And I haven't had a chance to do it, and I don't remember if we recorded it. But he mentioned that in what would be the last episode's interview with Josh Dysart, uh, either during the recording or afterwards, we were talking about how. Black Panther topped a billion dollars, but if you adjust for inflation, uh huh, Shaft made more money. Interesting. I'm not sure if he's right, and I don't mean to call him, a, but I've got to check that because I, I, you know, I usually take these figures at face value, and I, you know, and I go, that's a really interesting point. Is are we really reaching this point of huge box office or is it that ticket sales cost so much? Now, there's another interesting thing because when Shaft came out, we didn't have DVDs coming out six no, months no, later. No, 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 but I, but, I, but I also mean it's like what were tickets? A buck? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Maybe. You would go out and see, hey, let's go see Shaft again this afternoon. Well, I just saw it yesterday. Hey, come on along. And it's not a big deal. Well, a buck was a bigger deal in the 70s than it is now. But – it was, whereas whereas Black in Panther the 70s, it was still three dollars to go to most movies. Was it three? Was it? At Grindhouse theaters were cheaper. I gotta think about that. The centuries were like three fifty when I was in high school. Okay, you'd know better. Yeah, I don't think at that point I was paying for my own tickets. Um, but I would say you know now you go to Black Panther. If you saw Black Panther, if you saw it on an IMAX yeah. or a or the Dolby yeah, premiere. You're eighteen paying, dollars a ticket. Oh, only eighteen? Well, if you unless you had multiple of those those tiers. No, maybe twenty one, twenty three bucks. Yeah, um, depending on the on uh, the time, you know. So, I, yeah, it's just an interesting thing. So, I think when you say Aquaman topped a billion, that's great, and that is worldwide. Yeah, that's not that's not domestic. Um, and I don't want to. I'm not casting shade on Black Panther either because I love Black Panther and I I paid for that three times. Yeah, but uh, Aquaman only once so far. But um, I think we're just going to see that with superhero movies. I was just happy to have a DC movie where I was not bored in part of it. I wasn't bored all the way. Wonder Woman took me beginning to end straight through, loved it all the way. This one, all the way through. Every other movie is kind of like, oh, God. Yeah, there's nothing boring about uh, that. You, uh, one thing you can't accuse Aquaman of being is boring. No. I was never bored. I was so happy to see it. I still say I love that they flipped they cast an Ocean Master who looks like the comic book Aquaman, and they cast an Aquaman who looks like the comic book Ocean Master. Yeah. Good. This is this is the world. And they explain why that damn helmet is so huge. Yeah. I, I, there's so much that I enjoyed. It's still yeah. so much more room. What a great setup for an Aquaman, too. Yeah. And it's... It's both serious and silly, and I, you know, I, I'm, I'm good there. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse has not done so well yet, but I think it should. And it just won the Golden Globe. Yeah, I, I'd like to see what it, what sick ticket sales are this weekend following the Golden Globe yeah. award. Um, that was I cheered when I when that happened. I was I was looking at all the. Oh, uh, I went nuts and 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 I tweeted immediately. Congratulations to Bendis and Pacelli. Yeah, when they called out Bendis and Pacelli. Yes, on it, you know. Yes, you know that was exciting, and that it was within the movie. And God, I love the post credit scene. Uh, and Sony is now looking at, well, maybe should we expand the Spider-Verse into television? And I don't know how that's supposed to work when I know that the Spider-Verse has already been handled by Marvel Animation on Disney XD. Yes. All those characters have already yes, appeared. they've already been. But I'm, I'm still going to throw this out there. I fully expect. <laughs> I want my Spider-Ham solo film. 
Um, I like, in fact, seeing it a second time that I noticed that they really quickly snuck past that spider ham is a radioactive, is a spider bitten by a radioactive pig. And because it's under everybody else's origin, and he goes, and, and you see, he goes, well, I was a spider actually. <laughs> so, uh, but, but seriously, I can't, I, I see more movies a second time than I probably should, but I can't remember the last time that I saw a movie a second time and went, I got to see it a third time because I know I'm missing things. I know I'm still, you know, and, uh, so a, what a great, what a great film. And, uh, <clears throat> we have sad news. Explain this last one to me. Star Trek may be dead as a cinematic franchise. Uh, Paramount has, uh, so the current iteration of Star the, Trek, the Kelvin timeline. Yeah. They not only could that would, did they not, after all, reach a settlement with or, or an agreement uh, for salary for Chris Pine and Chris Hemsworth, who was right. supposed to come back time travel. They've lost the second or third director attached to it. And Paramount is just saying. I have to tell you, I'm not that upset. Because no, I'm not either. Discovery and, is so cinematic and fresh. Well, and let cool. us transition to television because. Star Trek is dead. Long live Star Trek because it's back where it should be. Yes. Because I think that the things, I think that the movies with the original cast got a pass because it was still the original cast. And they we, were good movies. And we we were so nostalgic and happy to see them still Right. Playing. But the things that we loved about Star Trek aren't as much in there as we'd like to think either. And because what Star Trek did best, what Star Trek does best, mm-hmm. fits on television. And I don't mean a television screen. It fits in the kind of episodic that you can do 13 episodes and spin an arc out. You can really get into a character you tell, for I, I, That's exactly what I thought you were, You can tell... Each story, each episode tells one or two human stories. So there's care, and especially now that we're out of the um, out of the sandbox, because things change. People do die. People do have things that change their relationship or their position on the mm-hmm. ship. Um, you can have character development that occurs over the series, and you really are having that happen. And I expect this season is going to be even. Whereas, yes, I, I would say, like with the Kelvin timeline, not only did they go three to four years between yeah. um, episodes, uh, you know, essentially installments. I don't think that Into Darkness ever quite understood what it was. Just like, look at this fanboy. It Let's was a subvert- amusement park ride. Yeah, and then and then beyond was sort of like, okay, there were moments, there were things that they touched on that were likely, but it was... I liked Beyond. It still didn't un- it quite understand. It felt more like a Star Trek episode on TV. Yeah. And that was the complaint most people had about it. But I felt it was like a mediocre Star Trek episode. It, it, I'll, it, I'll give you that it wasn't... It wasn't but I loved all those actors. Yeah. And I, I, I am sorry to see people like Carl Urban and, yeah. and, and Zachary Quinto no longer perform those roles yeah although maybe they could pop up 
On Discovery? On Discovery, because what the hell? Um, because I, know, but, I would argue this with Discovery. As I, I was saying before we started recording, there are people that I know that are big, hardcore Star, Star Trek fans mm-hmm. um, that are reasonably well-placed in the industry. So, you know, their opinion, I I get. I will listen to it. They are very angered by Discovery. And I will, I will agree if your anger is... That there's no way this fits with the original series. Not tonally. I mean, this doesn't From fit the with the continuity of, history, of the yeah. original series. Right. However, I also saw one of these very same people argue the really wise point that as fans we were spoiled because it's one of the very few franchises that we never had to make an adjustment. Right. The characters all aged. Right. It's the same cast. Shatner's still around. Well, it was true. And you transition forward into the future with next next generation. generation Yeah. Yeah. So I look at Discovery as, because we were just talking about the short track, right? With Rain Wilson as Harry Mudd. A great example. Each one of those episodes has a very nice character study in it. You know? and, and they're shorter. I loved the one that Chabon wrote. Michael Chabon wrote the was that Calypso? Calypso. Yeah, that was great. The, because I'd never seen one good. Like, that set up a mystery of what, what happened. What's going to happen. Right. Uh, but I look at Discovery as okay, this is the hard reboot that I'm glad the movie didn't do. Uh-huh. Because at that point, we needed to be reassured that Star Trek as we knew it had happened. Mm hmm. Um, so the Kelvin timeline was a brilliant, as they call it, you know, that, that time travel back in the connection right. with Leonard Nimoy was brilliant, but we don't have that option anymore. No. And while it's weird that they went back in time, now this is, you know, to do a prequel series. No, now this is the slate is clean. This is the ultimate universe version right. yeah, of, I agree. of Star Trek. This is the way it happened with Alex Kurtzman's. Vision, and I think that's why you wouldn't ever see Quinto or or, or any of the characters. Well, you can't see Quinto now because they've already got a different actor they playing, playing Spock. Spock. Yeah, Ethan Peck. Yeah, um, but you could see. I think Carl Urban could show up as a believably right aged McCoy um, because he's younger in the in the uh, yeah. As far as I realize, DeForest Kelly seemed much older because everybody seemed much older then. Right. Well, DeForest Kelly on the first episode of uh, Next Gen, too. Yeah. But, I mean, when he hit when he was in Star Trek, he looked like he was already in his 50s. Yes. You know, so I think that uh, you could – and then he stayed looking that way for a good 20 years, so that worked yes, out very well for him. that was good for him. Uh, I still think the, the scarf thing, that didn't work. But, anyway, um, <laughs> I've seen him on, like, publicity photos and stuff, like, you know, just making appearances. Where is that on, on – uh in Rathacon, too. Yeah, it just doesn't work. <laughs> uh, anyway, that's just a look I don't like. Anyway, uh, you know, so I, I think that uh, Discovery, which is coming season two is coming soon, and, and, and they said they just dropped this Harry Mudd one, which basically took that was great. the con- a concept from one of the original series, yeah. Harry Mudd appearances, and made sure that you wouldn't do it. It it's not going to happen to this version of Harry Mudd, and I'm okay with it because now I've also realized the thing is, and no one is more surprised by my reaction to Discovery than I am, in terms of I didn't want to subscribe to CBS All Access, right. 
I thought, oh, I'll give Discovery a chance, but, you know. And then when Rain Wilson was Harry Mudd, my irritation was he doesn't look a thing like Roger Carmel. Right. Uh, and then I watched it, and it's like, he's a lot darker than Harry Mudd yes. was on Star uh, on the original series. But once I just went, okay, you sucked me into the story that yeah. you're telling. realized, this is not my Harry Mudd. It's never going to be my Harry Mudd. Rain Wilson is not going to become that character who he might sell tribbles, but then those tribbles are going to be like <laughs> you know zombies or something. Disease. They're going to yeah, there's going to be something horrible. So right, please don't right. please don't give me tribbles on this series. Um, I think you've I think you've replaced the tribbles. The Cyrano with, Jones anyway. It was originally supposed to be. Oh Harry no, Mudd. I'm sorry. It was yeah, it was Cyrano Jones. Harry Mudd was Mud's women. It was supposed to be Harry Mudd, but they couldn't get Car- Carmel, yeah. so they. And that's why I always think that because yeah. Cyrano Jones is such a knockoff of, of Harry Mudd. Of Harry Mudd, you yeah. know, and the only other time he appears is when they did a, tri- a Tribble sequel in the animated. They series. They could have Rain Wilson selling Tribbles. He could say, "I got them off this dead traitor named Cyrano, Cyrano Jones. Jones." Yeah. No, I'd rather they just go ahead and make Cyrano Jones the old Harry Mudd kind of character. Oh, okay. If you want to do that, yeah, yeah. you know, split it because yeah. I, 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 there's something very darkly funny about this Harry Mudd, but he's also just, I, he's I'm, evil. He's he is a very different Harry Mudd. Whoever cast um, Rain Wilson as him is brilliant. I, you know, it's like go out on a limb, this guy, and you know. If you don't know the guy from the office, the uh, the office jerk, uh, the guy from Super, yeah. So yes, um, I and and those. Uh, and by the way, from Galaxy Quest as well. He is uh, he's he in Galaxy. Galaxy Quest? He's one of the aliens in Galaxy Quest. Oh my! Yeah. Oh my! Yeah. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah, it's, but uh, I'm sorry, I blew your mind. No, uh, but especially when you have the one. The, the idea that they did the short episodes, the 15-minute shorts between seasons, I'd love to see more shows do that. I'd love to see, because it really did allow them to focus on characters. The Tilly episode, right? Tilly, Tilly represents so much of what's right about this show. And that was my least favorite. And yeah. and because I, I thought it was the most, um, it was the most cliched. But I love her. Yes. So I liked watching her, and I liked the message they were making. But I just didn't the way was, I didn't like the way it was scripted out. Okay. I think it was really dialogue that bothered me. There was a, there was too much of the no, you're special, you know, you're special. Okay. But also because I think Tilly is a character that's been potentially the most intriguing. That I don't think the first half of the season served well. Like they right. they. They implied more about her than they ever knew what to do with, and then they got involved in the mirror universe. She did pull through in a number of of cases during the, during the episode. Oh, unexpectedly oh, brilliant. Oh no no no! no. But yeah. that's the, but that's not my issue. Yeah, you know, the, the, there's something else, and I, I that I, I, I the establishing her as nervous that was one thing. Right, but that they <laughs> I guess it was. I can't remember exactly how they phrased it, but they implied several learning disabilities and she felt held back by that. And then whatever they were, were, were never spelled out. Maybe they shouldn't have been. She's got a serious caffeine addiction. That explains. Well, so do I. Yeah. But you know, that that's, uh, it's still, you know, anyway, I, I, I love her as an, as an actor. I love, I love the character. I just thought they have not, other than when they went to the mirror universe, they have not served that character as well as the promise okay. of what it could, of, of what she could be. Uh, I would also go with the, mm, you know, the Doug Jones, the Kelpian 
It was an intriguing episode. I think that it does not match up with all the things they had implied about the Kelpians either in the first. That was a surprise. The, the idea season. that he's the only Kelpian who's left the planet. That was, and that was kind of like, oh, hmm, interesting. Because in the mirror universe, obviously they oh, yeah. knew more about him. And- but I, I, and I, and and I did like that the Kel- that uh, I, I did like that idea of his being the only representative, uh-huh. but also you know the way they had established the idea of being the prey species, and then that's not yeah. really what they are. They are they were they are farmed. passive. They're they are farmed, farmed, but that's not, that's not quite not the prey. same thing. Yeah. yeah, you know. So anyway, that's be that as it Those that's nitpicking over a really intriguing idea to do that to. To, to solve a problem of, of giving more content. Right. Getting into a second season. We're getting an animated series that will be a comedy set in this universe. There is talk of Michelle Yao doing the section, whatever they call the, the basically being the origin of the, of the dark, of the black ops. Right. Group in the Federation. Section number something. Yeah. yeah. You know, that, which I'm like, yeah, because I thought that was a good way to bring. There's, her there's back actually as an actor. a number of uh, paperback novelizations. No, I know there are, about but those, those don't yeah. count anymore. Well, I know, I'm, I'm just saying <laughs> the interest is obviously there. This already. is like the extended universe. Yeah. It's all been wiped away, and Disney didn't even have to buy it. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> they, well, now Disney is the Galactus of media. I'm <laughs> <laughs> the destroyer of worlds. Do you realize? Okay, and I know this is like old news, and it had not clicked for me. But here's how the destroyer of worlds. You know, as of January 1st, the deal with Fox went through. So uh-huh. there's still little details. Sometime in 2019, Fox and Disney merger. We've made all the jokes. Ooh, the alien queen is a Disney princess now. Yeah. And there's a predator. And Frankenfurter is a, is a Disney princess. Disney own, will own Batman 66. Interesting. Cool. So it's just a step forward. They're gonna devour Warner Brothers. <laughs> I, then they're gonna look. That's their taste. They there's gonna be Paramount. Taste it's gonna be first. Paramount. Just going. We've got Star Trek. We want Star Trek. No, I'm sorry. <clears throat> I reversed the voices. Paramount should be going. We've got Star Trek. And and Disney says, Ha! We want Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Okay. Uh, but they've got an animated series coming as a comedy. They've got this section thing. Season two is about to start. We've got this Jean-Luc Picard series sure coming. Nobody knows what it is. Uh, just it's John, but it's going to be different. It's going to be fine. Because uh, we retired from the, please you get Patrick Stewart back in. To, I would love to have them do something with, with a non Federation craft in the Federation universe. And that could be. Well, I think they're implying a lot, you know, like I, as the Orville came back, right? Yeah. So I watched the first couple. Been pretty of, good so far. Yeah. I enjoyed it. There's always something a little off in it. And yes. I, and what I, what I think is off is not just the sense of humor, which sometimes I just go, oh yeah, that's why I don't, that's the thing I don't like about, about Seth MacFarlane. I think they toned down the kind of edgy a little bit. sense of humor. But it does have the pacing of the next generation. and that it, So it always yes. feels like a show that was shot 20 years ago yes. instead of a show that is 2019. But I think that's exactly what they're going for. Oh, no. no it, yeah. it is. And so I just have to make that adjustment, and that's fine. But uh, now I've lost track of why we're saying it, except the Orville is back. But there was a connection to Jean-Luc Star Trek. Picard. Jean-Luc Picard. Um no, no, I, 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 I don't okay. know. Except okay. you know, they we've we've got 
Just you relax. Know? It'll come back you to you. You can do all these different you'll things. You'll wake up screaming in the middle of the night, and you'll know what it was. I know I do all the time. It doesn't mean <laughs> that I know what it is. Okay. I got a weighted blanket for Christmas. It has helped. Uh, anyway, so uh, you have a list of, of other genre things that So are we coming. were talking a couple episodes ago about how much stuff there is and how it's So you're going to tell me there's more, and I'm just going to oh, cry. You're going to cry because in the next three months, we have quite a bit of stuff showing up. Oh, God. Um, stuff, that's, stuff that's brand new, a lot of stuff that's new, but then stuff that's returning turning and we're really anticipating so starting off we've uh, this month already we had a the introduction of batman year zero well no gotham um the last season i gotta watch it yeah yeah um which has already had one episode and and the question is going to be is the cape and cal going to show up in the last episode we're back to a smallville again with the speculation there only not as annoying yeah and also already started is project blue book which I watched about 75% of the first episode, and it's a History Channel production. And uh, so far, they've not gone full X-Files on it. It's been kind of clever. They have the actor who played Littlefinger on yes. HBO. Uh, on uh, Great Game of Thrones. On yes. Game of Thrones. And um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Neil McDowell, who is on Arrow. At, McDonough. Uh, McDonough. Who's Dum Dum Dugan. Yeah, uh, and, and he's all, also yeah. Damien Dark. Damien Dark, that's it. Um, so, uh, good cast. Um, I, I I think I know where some of the stuff is going. It's not as juicy as X Files was. I mean, we might get there. You know, and, and I, yeah, I'm sorry to say this, but honestly, with how much there is, I I can't. I don't have time for dry. Right. Right, and that's it. Struck me as oddly enough, parts of it reminded me of the mag- marvelous Mrs. Ma- Ms. May- Maisel because it is a period piece, nineteen fifty-two. Um, and so, and, the, and if you watch the first episode, you know what I'm talking about. And I think there's something going on with the women in the show. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, uh, moving on on the tenth tomorrow, one of your favorite shows come back. Coming good back. place. The Good Place is coming back on. with Brooklyn Nine Nine. Yeah, yeah. Which Brooklyn Nine Nine technically is not a sci-fi series. I didn't have my list because it's not technically, a- but it's created by the exact same person. Ah. Uh, so it's a fan- it'll make a fantastic double feature. Same sense of humor. Brooklyn Nine Nine. You know, they both parody uh, action movies from time to time because Jake Peralta is obsessed with Die Hard, uh, which you can probably see from the commercial. And if you're not wa- watching Brooklyn Nine Nine, you should. Because it is one of the best written comedies uh, on television, and the only one that's better is The Good Place. I have watched a couple of episodes of Brooklyn Nine, Brooklyn Nine Nine, and I have meant to go back and watch from the beginning because that's my way. And I uh, no, I don't blame it. you. I, 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 I luckily I reached that conclusion somewhere <laughs> in season two, okay. so I was able to go back and watch from go. the beginning. And it's one like The Good Place where it, it is a rarity for the 21st century. I've actually gone back and rewatched old episodes of both. We should move on because there's a lot we just need to touch on on these. The day after that, January 11th, Future Man. Uh, on I Hulu. didn't finish season one, uh, this but is, it was funny. Yeah. I know what it. Yeah. Okay. Um, January 13th, uh, Tigtone. Now, have you heard or seen anything about this? Tignataro. Uh, it's it's a it's a it's a Conan like warrior named Tigtone. Who is played by Tignataro? I don't know. 
I doubt that Tig Notaro is playing a Conan-like warrior, but anyway, go okay. ahead. But it would be funny. Uh, and it's the it's an animated show. The animation looks to be almost like it's done on top of a game engine. Okay. Um, but it's very interestingly detailed, and the faces are are animated interestingly well. I I I'd like I want to go back and look and see if there's anything about how it's done. It's super over the top parody of sword and sorcery stuff. That's on Adult Swim, oddly enough. No, not oddly at all. <laughs> because they've got a lot of shows like, like, like that already. I may be willing to say I, I will pass until somebody writes in and tell me I should watch it. January 14th, the day following that, The Passage with Fox. That looks interesting. Science-made vampires, uh, and there's a there's some kind of like the children, the, this child is the secret or something. There is, it's based on a novel? Out. Yeah. So I haven't read the novel, and I don't know anybody who has, but uh, if anybody has... Write it and tell me. Should I watch the passage? The day after that, January fifteenth. Oh my God! No, I have no time. Roswell, New Mexico. We yes, talked I have a to little watch bit about that. that. This uh, is my friend Glenn Farrington is writing for that. Yeah, and uh, and you said it's a follow up to the previous no, 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 Roswell no, 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 show. No, 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 that's not what it's I a said. Reboot. I think it's a reboot. Okay. I think it's a straight up it, reboot. Sh- I watched the original Roswell that was on. Was it the CW or the WB at that time? It was still the WB. Okay, at that time. so the WB. Um, and that one was basically teenage alien angst. Uh, aliens among us trying not to be discovered. I remember that. Sharing, Cheryl, Cheryl sh- Appleby. Yeah. And I can't remember the guy's name. But. So then this looks like just more of the same in New Mexico. But they look older. They look like they've aged like two years, maybe a little older than they were. On. Well, because it's the CW now, they can admit they're in their twenties and not pretend <laughs> sure, that they're sure, that sure. they're in there <laughs> that there's fifteen. But anyway, go ahead. On the same day, we get the flashback. The Flash. We get the Flash. Returns. Back. Yeah. <laughs> I'm um, having flashbacks right the now. The day after that. Crap. Deadly Class comes back. So this is... No, this Deadly Class starts. Starts, 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 starts. Which you can watch on Sci-Fi not right now, and I haven't yet. Okay. I, I knew the first episode was already out. No, it was on Sci-Fi. We talked about it. Okay. It's on Sci-Fi.com. You can stream ah, it. Right. Uh, School for Teenage Assassins in the 1980s, another period piece show. On the 17th, the day after that, Star Trek Discovery comes back. Yay. And on the same same day, we've got the perennial... I have no, I have no blood left in my face. The perennial mainstay of the CW, Supernatural. Um, uh, I, I will say that their Scooby-Doo crossover episode was excellent. Okay. Then you get a couple days off, because that's the 17th. We don't get something new until the 20th. January 20th, we get The Return of Supergirl and The Return of Charmed. Um, and I, I have to say, I've been I've been recording Supergirl. I'm all caught up. And I've been uh, the recordings I'll usually set for a couple of minutes afterwards. Mm-hmm. And I'm somewhat interested in Charmed. I really like the original show. This one, I I wasn't excited by the by the previews, but the little bits uh, my, I watched. My daughter the explained to me why she will not. She was a fan of the original charm. Uh-huh. Uh, she explained to me why she will not uh, watch this one, um, and to which I say, you know, there, I understand her reasoning. Okay, but I also say, I since I didn't watch the first one, I don't feel that affection. You know, I heard it was good. Uh, this one, it, if you don't want to watch it, don't watch it. Yeah, I'm. You know, fine. True for almost any of these. No, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You get three days off then. On the 23rd. No, no, no. Those are days that I'm catching up on the crap I missed. <laughs> on the 23rd, 
uh, Sci-Fi Brings Back the Magicians, which I had not heard. I had not even heard it was renewed. I watched the first and second seasons. I really liked it a lot. I liked the scripting. I liked the, all the actors. And I'd be happy that I think Boom Studios is releasing a Magician's tie-in book. Oh, interesting. I think it's Boom Studios. It's okay. either Boom or Titan. Uh, but regardless, I haven't watched any of the Magicians either. So Okay. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a I know, fun show. but look, we've said I know, it. There's I know, I know. too much. Now you get a whole week. <laughs> now you're full of crap. I don't. Um, I have a life. Walking Dead comes back on February 10th. I don't know if we've mentioned this podcast. I have a day job. It, and then in another time, another five days goes before you're going to be glued to your TV set for the Umbrella Academy. I am going to be. And don't forget, did you include? No, I think maybe it's in February. So never mind. I That's on Netflix. Netflix. Oh, no, I know. But there's another Dark Horse Netflix series uh, or show. I think it's a movie. But I think it, there's room for more uh, that is from, based on a Dark Horse series on Netflix coming in as Polar. Okay. With Mads Mikkelsen as a retired, uh, as a retired assassin, uh, who you know, I mean, yeah, he makes sense. Kind of, kind of stereotypical yeah. when I describe it as like he's a retired assassin who they call who they bring him back in. Uh, you know, he yeah. they, they go after him to take him out, um, and he takes them out, of course. And uh, Vanessa Hudgens is in it, but regardless, uh, it is based on a series of Dark Horse graphic novels called Polar, and uh, so. I posted it, and here's my name, man. Don't cry for Netflix just because the Defenders are gone. Oh, no. You know, they've got plenty coming. The only thing I didn't look up on this is, are they dropping all episodes at once, or is this is this one that they're finally going to start doing I one d- a week? I don't know, because I'm not sure if, has, has Netflix really done that? I don't model like think I know so. Hulu has done the weekly drops. And DC uh, DC does, Universe obviously. is doing the the, the um, weekly drops. I, I I because I could because it didn't say all the episodes are available. Maybe they're going to experiment with that. See what it does to anticipation. I know they've done that with their back. talk shows. Oh, and okay. well, that um, makes sense. they did just start with that Minaj Hassan Minaj one uh, Patriot Act. Okay, so which is kind of like a daily show, but they, so they do that weekly. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm, ba- you know, and we've talked about this before. I'm grateful, <laughs> not just for the chance to get, but, but also to just be like, I like having that weekly anticipation. Right, right. Or conversations and talking about And the even future. if I miss it by a couple of days, you know, that it, and I'm sure there are still things like even with DC Universe, I haven't watched the last episode of Titans yet, uh, but I, maybe tonight we wrap up before I, Go, fall into a coma. You have to, and then you and Troy and I can get together and discuss. Oh, we, by the way, uh, New Year's resolution: uh, we have to get Troy on an episode. Oh yes, good. Uh, soon, so Definitely. you know. So let's move on. Um, then you get like three weeks, if I'm maybe maybe two and a half weeks. Now you're full of crap because these other shows they're still going <laughs> on. Yeah, oh, they are. So uh, don't tell me I get three weeks off. <laughs> okay. No, I'm still watching. We've got, uh, and I have not looked I'm up this, but lovely, I'm playing lovely, lovely Ludwig van who didn't hurt anybody. I'm incur- I'm, I'm, I'm in- intrigued by this one, and it's marginally in our, on our wheelhouse. But Cosmos Possible Worlds by and Fox is coming out, and if it's what I think it is, and I'm not going to even say what I think it is, I'm going to be glued to that because I love the Cosmos series. Um, finally, there's a lot of lawsuit that can happen between then and now. Though. Finally, five days later, American Gods comes back on stars. And that's all I got for you. <laughs> Are you exhausted yet? 
I don't have enough PTO. I know. Because American Gods. I, like, well, at least the blessing with American Gods is I know that Stars goes on a weekly. They drop weekly. Yes, they that's true. They do. So I only have to be, you know, I was temporarily saddened by the by no Doctor Who for a year. <laughs> and then, I was doubly saddened. Here, let me, because we did have it just a bit, that they finally gave me a Jodie Whittaker episode where – I was tense. You're talking about the the, the New, New Year's, Year's Day, Day episode. Oh, yeah, definitely. That you finally gave a Doctor Who episode that was exactly that was allowing Jodie Whittaker to finally really, really define who the thirteenth Doctor was while still giving it the flavor of previous seasons or series, as they would say. Yes. Uh, uh, you know, to make me super excited and tense about what's going to happen next. I've been interested all season long. I've, I've, I've enjoyed it. Yeah. But they finally gave me something that combined everything that I wanted and then said, oh, by the way, not for over a year until we come back. And I, I, but that grief lasted <laughs> only as long as it took me to switch over to Amazon Prime and go, that's right. The marvelous Mrs. Maisel came back, so I had to. We had to binge through that for four I nights. I haven't watched that one yet. I'm trying to get Debbie to watch the first season and then watch it with me. I'll watch the first season with her. Yeah, no, no, no. I think you, you you should. I don't think it's as strong. I, I I think things got real. There were a few episodes of of the second season that made me very uncomfortable. Oh, okay. Um, there were moments that just oh no, I don't like where this is going, but. But it's all right, you know. I mean, it's the right choice. I'm not second guessing them at all. Yeah, Overall, yeah. is it? And I, popping the stack back to Doctor Who. I think this was the. the what was that phrase? Bopping the stack pop, back. Popping the stack. Popping is a programming term. It's when you you've loaded a stack with data and you want to get to the bottom one. Yeah, no, I thank you, but we're we're yeah. So we lost the last. Sorry, listener. I'm a Silicon Valley guy. The. Uh, this was the closest. Go make a hot Jod- turkey sandwich. Jo- Jodie Whittaker has come to a let's hide behind the couch episode. Yes. Yeah. Because the spiders didn't do it for me. No. It was too slow it was paced. Just, well, it was, and it was too obvious. Yeah. Yeah. And, but this and giving a new design for a Dalek, it was just and yeah. a new and a new idea for the Daleks. Yes. That was kind of extra terrifying. Yes. Although I, I will grant you that you have the what do they call them the Council of the Watchers whatever the Secret Warriors that they say at the beginning they will never speak again of this no one will know and then these archaeo although I guess that's really how it happens with archaeology yes. right a thousand years in the past ago no one will speak of this and then somebody goes hey what's this book all right and I'm sorry I just totally <laughs> offended my friends from the BBC uh, by doing the by doing the uh... the accent I swore never to do again <laughs> that's why they kicked me off the radio there. Uh, but you know, it, it still, uh, I, I enjoyed it was a good episode and I'm sure, you know, there's still more to catch up on. I don't know what the, uh, I will say, you know, last night, one last wrap up because I, I think I got through all finally the holiday big movies last night saw Bumblebee. Oh, so ironically, it only took them six tries. They finally made a Transformers movie that was entertaining to me. They just got, had to get rid of Michael Bay. They did. <laughs> yes. They did. I, and I thought about it. There's a lot of repudiation of Michael Bay in it, quite honestly, even yeah. though he's still the producer. But I, I also was struck. Um, I made the joke, but it was also I, – I, it is absolutely the best sequel to The Love Bug that uh, I, I've ever seen. Because I mean, it, it is. It's Herbie oh, fully I'm, loaded. I'm smiling with It's Herbie fully loaded. 
But what I liked about it was seeing a movie this special effects heavy that was so really, truly small in scope. Mm. And they got around it by giving you Cybertron up front. And the first five minutes shows the war. Uh-huh. So all you guys that cr- that give a crap and are waiting for Unicron to show up. Right. And I'm guessing that's the name because I don't remember because I didn't watch Transformers. Not to it's mock Unicron, anybody. I think. Yeah. yeah. But I, you it was know, in Transformers I, the movie too. Yeah. yeah, no, no, I, you know, I know. I, I'm being somewhat sarcastic because oh, okay. it's silly to me when I say, "Oh, I, I was just the wrong age for Transformers." When I realized, of course, you were. I did what? No, <laughs> I did watch every episode of He-Man: Masters of the Universe. Um, no, not every, but I did watch for a year. <laughs> you know, when it first came on, and Transformers was there, but for some reason, I never, I never watched it. So right. I know nothing about them. I other than having so many friends now, and it's a little creepy that they're all. Middle-aged adult males. Yes, I, 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 I've until I had children of my own, didn't know any that were into Transformers, right? Because I forced them on them because you know. Well, but they anyway. probably didn't talk about it in school. Yeah. So anyway, it was they they got all that out of the way, but they also gave me something else: Decepticons. I could tell apart. Uh huh. Because oh, yeah, because they weren't none, spinning in blurred motion. None of the stuff. other movies, yeah. sh- they were all black. These are red and blue, and they're multicolored, uh-huh. and I can tell even if I don't know their names, I could tell who they were. And they and the same thing with the Autobots. So when you get it down to Bumblebee and why he gets called Bumblebee, it's still basically, I can't remember what they called the town, but it was Santa Cruz. They filmed it at the boardwalk, and they filmed it up in the Redwoods, and, you know, that... um that's the scope and the scale of the story. Mm-hmm. And there are even sequences that were part of that I thought, oh, that was in the last one I watched. I didn't watch the last night. I watched The Age of Extinction and wished uh, that it had truly been and that a comet had hit me in, in in there. But that I was like, oh, you know, that they kind of echoed those, but in a very followable way. But, but that it was just, it was cute and charming. And what I, I thought was... That it was the first one of these films where I wish that this had been what was out when my son was seven years oh, old. Yeah. yeah, this is the Transformers movie he should have gotten. I'm going to guess that the female lead in it isn't hypersexualized. She is not. Oh, well, what surprise. a surprise! Um, but she's very, and that's the repudiation. I thought about this and said they make a point of it's her 18th birthday, and that's where she gets the uh-huh. way she gets the bug. But. When I thought about every teenage girl in the previous, you had Megan Fox, that British supermodel. You had Megan Fox. Then you had Megan Fox. And then you had a blonde Australian model. Yeah. Uh, although she wasn't a teenager. Christmas O'Doul. No. It, it's not that far <laughs> off. And then you had in Age of Extinction. And again, I don't know how the last night did it. But they had a 17-year-old where they made sure. There was even a shot. Look, I, I'm embarrassed to even describe the shot, but they made a big point about how she was underage, although I'm sure the actress was not. I'm sure. But they made a big point of her being underage, and then Michael Bay shot, did a shot through her legs. Nice. And it was disgusting. And I, and I, you know, I thought, there's a guy. I can't believe that all this crap that's gone on in, in the industry, and he hasn't gotten busted yet. How, you know, w- what? Because there's something bad. I, I'm, you know... I don't know that, so please nobody sue. Well, Megan Fox accused him. Yeah, but she made peace. I don't know. You know, yeah. she. Anyway, um, but this was this was like watching if a if one of the good Disney live action movies, the the Love Bug 
Right. Comparison isn't off. If they had the budget. For- if they'd had these kinds of special effects yeah. and this kind of budget, that's what it would have been, although a little more violent because the Decepticons are still sure. evil. It's giant robots fighting. That's basically... And they kill some humans, but it was also not distracted by comical performances. Like, there's comedy, but almost all of it is I'm strangely no realistic. racist robots either? Not that I could tell. Okay. Unless you count hating human beings uh, as being racist. I mean, oh, oh, racist I, No, I know what you mean. No, 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 no racist stereotypes. And, uh, you know, so I, I, I am surprised to say what a tremendously strong Christmas movie season. I mean, you it had did well too. Into the Spider Verse, Aquaman, uh, and you know Bumblebee, and I will throw in Mary Poppins Returns because if you're not going to get any more Doctor Who, there's at least a Time Lord in the uh, yes. I- I- in the cinemas with a and you sonic ta- parasol. And you talk a movie that I had a lot of trepidation there because I. The original Mary Poppins has just been so formative and hit in mm-hmm. so many. There's, quite honestly, in dating my first wife, it loomed large. In my childhood, it loomed large. Uh, in my uh, with my grandmother in her last days, it loomed large, and so it's always it's been there as this really important thing. And uh, and then to I was I was scared of Mary Poppins Returns, and. Lin-Manuel Miranda is uh, – there's a little shoehorning to make it connect to Dick well, Van Dyke's kind character. Of a, he's, he's a little bit more of a narrator than Dick Van Dyke was. Yeah. And he's a little more involved in the but main storyline. But I love story the music. Line. And as a oh, musical? Yeah. Oh, yeah. As a stage musical, that would have worked. There are only eight songs in that movie. It I felt like more. I think they're like 13 in Mary Poppins. It, it felt like more. Yeah. And, but it, but I'll, I'll bet it's because there were a lot of reprises. And uh, – and, but, and a lot of little musical cues from the original. Yeah, mu- and I thought, uh, you know, there was also a thing that for people our age that you have this, you know, I hope it's not the last appearance of uh, on film of people like Angela Lansbury and Dick, Dick Van Dyke. Yeah. But they're people that not only have been Disney, but they've been with our, our entire lives. So if that is, what a farewell. Yeah. What yeah. a farewell. Yeah. And then even David Warner, I was scared for a bit that David Warner can't walk anymore. It's not true. Um, right. They just played him Admiral Boom in the, in the right, chair. Right, right. But I was like, yeah, David Warner looms large in in my yeah. childhood too as a sci-fi icon and as a Shakespearean icon. So the, the the one thing that I think they the only miscue I think they had in the movie was in lighting, because I remember specifically think uh, uh, that the original Mary Poppins was a little darker. So that things got spotlit in scenes to set the important. And this is this is really lit more like a stage where everything is yes. visible all the time. You only had a couple places. Even when they're out there at night, there's, there's still a lot of light around them. And Mary Poppins played a lot more with um, the room is dark. But there's light on the characters or on the object yeah. of interest or anything at that time. And it felt... Mary Poppins feels much more like, and I'm going to, this is something important to you, of course, Disney lighting that that this one didn't necessarily have. It was Modern Malt still doing a really good job of throwing back to, I mean, even watching uh, you know, the, the title sequence is using the concept paintings mm-hmm. from the original film. And I thought, oh, that's a really good, there's so much. There's just a cool, cool touch to that. So again, what a solid, what a solid Christmas season, for lack of a better phrase for it, for movies. 
like I'm sure there's still a couple I want to see. There must have been a horror film out there that I wanted to catch, uh, or a, a small drama that I wanted to watch. There's some that are coming up. Oh, um, I know, I know, but it's January, so yeah. pff, you know. But but I mean, just in that two, I still haven't seen Bohemian Rhapsody. And oh well, that's been expanded back out. It'll that, expand yeah. back out this weekend. Yeah, um, it's fun. Every criticism of it, I totally agree with. I totally understand. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was thinking I, I was going to be okay seeing it on on video, and now I think I really do want to see. No, it No, the you need to see it with a good stereo system. Yeah, I oh, mean, I've got a good one. It, it, no, but I mean, you know that that feeling of and if you take it as right. almost almost as if. It's in a hall with it's other a, people. It's a, it's, it, if you take it as a Queen concert film interrupted by BS, <laughs> okay, I think you'll enjoy it much more. Okay, the truth of it is not there, and there are some surprisingly bad stereotypes. I, I totally agree. You know that are like, oh, this is so mel- bad, bad melodrama and bad eighties uh, AIDS drama. Quite honestly, uh, whereas, uh, but when they recreate the concerts, it's just like, oh, I never saw them live. Yeah. And I'm, I know that there are great concert films of that too, but it was just really, I don't know. I get a kick out of seeing a, a tribute band being that good, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I don't know. That's my, that's my excuse for it. I, you know, I, I did love it. It's not best picture. I, that's, that's. But in my no stretch of the imagination is it best picture, but it is worth going to see in a theater. Absolutely. So good. All right. I think we've gone way over. So that's we've, it's been a massive show. I realize because, we, but we've also recorded two podcasts tonight. Yes. So sort of time travel is so confusing. It is. Anyway, it's bigger on the inside as is my heart. If you've got any questions, comments, compliments, commentary, criticism, write into editor at fanboyplanet.com. Thank you for listening. Hope you listen to the next one. Tell your friends. And I'm Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief of FanboyPlanet.com. And I'm Rick Brett Snyder, reminding you to use, use your, your powers, powers for good. Thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www.thegreatlukeski.com.